welcome to Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is the show that takes a weekly sideways view of everything to do with Fulham FC. And it's a Christmas special tonight, a festive treat for you all. And I thought it would only be right to be accompanied by three wise men. Unfortunately, I'm joined by Ben Jarman, Jack Collins and Farrell Monk. <laughs> Thank you very much for the nice introduction. Cheers. Yeah, that was a good one, Thanks, Sammy. Steve. No problem, no problem. So it's a special show tonight. Not only is it a Christmas special, but we're also live on Facebook. Hello to the Facebook world, to the 13 people that are currently watching us live. Uh, if you want to go back and watch the podcast uh, on Facebook, you can. Facebook.com forward slash Fulhamish pod. You'll see the extra little bits, the warts and all that we don't include in the podcast. Go give us a like. I feel like we deserve it. Yeah, we're coming up to Christmas. Yeah. We're also coming up to some like a decent amount of likes. We're getting close. We're getting close. We're also closing in on thirteen thousand listens as well already. Exactly. Really? Well, for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was four points from six as Fulham hosted Basement Side Rotherham and High Flying Derby at the Cottage. Let's look at the games first and foremost and start off with the match on Saturday. And in what was a difficult game going into it, Derby on red hot form. Ben, would have you been satisfied with the point if it was offered to you beforehand? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, judging from our slightly below par performance against Reading, a point against Derby always feels like a good point picked up well. Um, but coming out of the ground and seeing it on the 90 minutes again, you always feel like it was two points dropped. I feel like we started really well and we always seem to shoot ourselves in the foot by letting in the first goal first. Um, and therefore, it just makes it so much harder for us to get three points, as, mu as much as that's a very obvious statement to make with a Masters of Rome downfall defensively recently. You put it out perfectly that we would have definitely taken the point beforehand. I mean, Derby Harbour on red hot form, mm. but, uh, seven wins in seven going into the game, and dominated them, absolutely dominated them from start to finish. It was just only two just lapses in concentration that really, really, you know, that's what we suffered from. Um, and we just got to get that out. A team that's going to go up aren't going to have, you know, that many mistakes in, in a game that's going to let two goals in, basically. Two gifts for them, two early Christmas presents. <laughs> um, so we just got to get the iron out those things because a team like Newcastle, they would only yeah. one one every three games, maybe. Not two in a game. But it was it was a game that was fraught with difficulties for Fulham. Uh, Callas' early injury, you know, losing a centre-back and such an influential centre-back, Jack, never helps. And also, Chris Martin was unavailable. Lucas Piazon deputised for him up front. So it was also it, mitigating circumstances for Fulham on Saturday, slightly. Yeah, I think so. I think that oh, what, I've, what I've written down is that I still can't decide if I'm happy or not with the point. Uh, on paper, I definitely would have taken it, but I left the ground feeling quite sort of taken aback and a bit you know sad about the fact that we dropped two points but you know in hindsight something that was mentioned was that if Derby had won that game I would have felt it was unjustified but I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd scored a winner you know with the 10 minutes ago I wouldn't have been surprised and I wouldn't have been surprised if we'd won it either so perhaps on that assessment a point's a fair point what what I like what I do actually sort of uh, see when the results, if you just ignore the results, I like to see if there was a good performance there. To, and there was on Saturday. Absolutely, there was a good performance. Um, it would be really, really downheartening if we lost the game or we drew the game to all and we didn't actually play that well. But the fact we actually did really play well means that we can actually crack on to the, to the Ipswich game and then on to the Reading game. Yeah. Full of confidence, really. This is where mentally we're so much stronger than we were the past couple of years when we've been down in the Championship. We would have lost that game and mm. probably would have lost it quite heartily as well, probably like 4-2. 
rather than, you know, getting back on track and then threatening them. But I think this result really shows us that we have great building blocks in place as we currently are. We have a very strong first 11 slash 13, give or take a couple of subs, but we need a couple more reinforcements come January and we definitely need a striker who is, <clears throat> excuse me, mid-tier. So someone that is easily going to fit in between Smith and um, Martin because Slavisa's reluctance to play Mar uh, to play Smith on on Saturday just basically underlined that he's got no confidence within the player himself. The fact that Woodrow is not even near the squad, I don't know if that's because of injury or because he's going, just underlines the fact we've got no one else there and then there's no one in that that gap in between, we need that striker if yeah. we're going to maintain this promotion push. We I can't rely on a striker. God forbid Martin gets injured. Martin, yeah. I um, think that Smith not um, playing on Saturday and, and and Humphreys coming on in his stead is kind of, is that the trap door? Is that the trap door opening for Matt Smith? And, and, and that I think we might have seen the end of him, be that for, for better or worse. But I feel like that could be curtains, basically, I think, for, for, for poor old Matthew bloody um, big trap door. Yeah, but, you know, it's one of those ones where you're still sticking over the top of it. Well, Smith was, Smith was stripped and ready to come on as well. Yeah, I and did then, see that. I and then he that. brought Humphreys on instead. And, you know, to be being under undermined by a 19-year-old who's you never played a professional game before yeah. is, um, is is something that maybe we're yeah. seeing the end of. But, you know, I think, I think Woodrow will go out on loan and I think Smith will go. I think I, we need to touch on Woodrow because we've spoken about him once very early on in the season after um, that shocking penalty miss uh, in the Cup. It was a shocking performance. And we, I mean, he hasn't been near the squad since that performance. And it's just, he's barely played in PL2 either. No. It looks like his time's up at, at Fulham. And I think it's probably, based on the whole of the season and, and his past development, the right thing to do is either get him out on loan or I think make money on just him. Not I do think he'll go out on loan. I do think he'll go out on loan. George Williams come back in, just on a point of... Yeah, yeah we saw it played in the PL2, played in the PL2 didn't he? He's good, playing tonight. He scored a good goal uh, against... Last I think week. a lot of people were upset when he went on loan because I think people thought that uh, he might have a future this season. So I think people were disappointed to see him go on loan to Gillingham. MK Dons. MK but Dons. the one place we don't need more depth is arguably on the wing. No, <laughs> like, yeah. Without being funny, of all the places that you could have brought someone back from, but who knows what the story is. And whilst Fulham are light uh, in the striking department at the moment, fortunately, goals are falling all around the pitch. It's four in four for both... Stephanie Hansen and Floyd Ayite, and sorry, Steph Joe. <laughs> you can't you can't do Steph Joe Steph without Joe. the uh, without the heart. Um, <laughs> so despite Martin not scoring too many at the moment and being missing for the Derby game, it's interesting to see we're now starting to see goals from all around the team and even the teams at the top like Brighton. Actually, uh, Glenn Murray's getting a lot of their goals, a huge proportion. Whereas Fulham, they're coming from all sorts around the pitch, which has got to be healthy. Yeah, again, back in start of the season, we spoke about Middlesbrough last season. Their top scorer was Stuani, scored seven, in the t and they went up quite easily in the end. And I think we can sort of replicate that, and we are replicating it to an extent with Martin and the rest of the guys that are Luko, Kenny, Johansson, all chipping in quite well. Um, it's just a case of we need to tighten up defensively because the last couple of games we've seen that Rotherham in particular looked like they were very shaky at the back and it looked like we'd just taken a knock of confidence. And I don't think that Slavis is going to be happy with Ream coming back in to debutise for Kalash should he be out for a while. We'll obviously go on to the Rotherham game later, but we were exposed by a poor Rotherham team defensively. Sessignon had a very terrible first 15 minutes, absolutely 
was bossed by Izzy Brown, who was a very good footballer. And I mean, once he went off, Rotherham kind of tailed off. But we were exposed by a very poor Rotherham team to start off with. Obviously, we dominated the game after that. But defensively, we were very shaky to start yeah. off with. And where do you think? Do you do you think Reem might come back into the team, or do you see it as an opportunity now for Maddell and Sigurdsson um, to potentially state a partnership over the Christmas period? Of course, at this point, we don't know how serious Callas's injury is, but it looks like a hamstring. Not a thing. Didn't look horrendously major, but it's surely gonna be. He didn't go down the tunnel, which is obviously a good sign. Mm. And we did some. I've done some. Done some research. I like a bit of research. Of course, you about, <laughs> um, about Thomas Callas. And he was out for six games from the 24th of September to the 22nd of October. In that time, we lost three, drew two, won one. We kept no clean sheets and we conceded 12, which was equivalent of two per game. And when you compare that, I'm going to exclude Derby from this, to the 16 games that Callas has played in, we conceded 14 over those 16 games at a rate of 0.875 per game. Which is probably... And only lost two, if my calculations are correct. Because we've only lost five all season and you said three of those came in that six-game period where he was out. Now, obviously... (laughs) I think that is very specific. I mean, Callas is obviously a quality footballer, but... No, and I don't think... I think think it was when Callas got injured, we hit our low form it yeah, wasn't just sure him, was I, they're, they're, we did we had just come factor. we had just come off one we've the other one of the other losses was just before Callas got injured it was yeah, it yeah. was and then we lost lots of games lots of games in wow. a very short period of time and then when he came back he came back yeah, for yeah. the reading uh, for the huddersfield game if and, you asked me if reem would come into the team before the wolves game i'd be like yeah absolutely no problem at all i would have i feel totally confident with him being in there after the Wolves game, I I think I'd probably take the same view as Jukanovic and I'd be like, I would err on a side of caution and put Reem back in the team because he didn't play well at all. Um, I'm comfortable with Maddow. I quite like him. A, I, I like him a lot, actually. Um, so I'd be happy with him. And I think Jack's actually done a lot of research on goals. I know we deviated away from that point, but Jack's done some good research there. There was um, one of the interesting ones is Newcastle's 45 goals scored this league. Dwight Gale has 17 already in the wow. championship which is remarkable. And you'd imagine that he's going to go on to become the top ever one-season championship goalscorer on that kind of form. And I think we all get in the, when we were in the... 34, I want to say, Saha got in that season. He got 42 in all competitions. I don't know how much it was, how many it was in the league. If you know, comment. How many <coughs> yeah. goals did Louis Saha score when we went up? I'm saying 34, but I'm literally making that up off the top of my head. It was, it, it was you know, it was mid to high 30s, wasn't it? Uh, the rate is going, he's going to... But yeah, but yeah, Gail yeah. started even Gail started slowly, and he just then <laughs> yeah. suddenly just hit form, and it was like, oh, okay, right. But the next person after those seventeen from Dwight Gale is four for Johan Gufran, which is seems like a hell of a jump. And I know that's obviously skewed figures because Gale scored so many, mm. but at the same time, you know, if you look at that Fulham promotion season, you look at Saha, and you look at what you know Hales and Bermorte both got a lot of goals that season. But what we we're saying is that. Fulham have one, two, three, four, five, six players who have all scored more than three goals this year already. One of those is Kevin McDonald. What a bloke. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so Martin has six, Johansson has five, Kearney has five, Aluko and Aite both have four, and McDonald has three. Where and That's then, really good for Aite because he only started, he's he only got his first goal. Seven the, team, <laughs> the team that have scored the same amount of goals was Barnsley. Yeah, I noticed that. Also, they've conceded 
more goals than they've scored, though. They've still they're got the, a negative. of this season. They've got minus one goal difference. Yeah. But they've got nine for Sam Winnell, uh, five for Marley Watkins, four for Connor Hurahan, great player, and then three for Armstrong, who's on loan from Newcastle. As if they're just giving out players who are banging <laughs> in goals, like uh, Bradshaw and Hamill. Um, Reading. Reading seem to be getting goals from all over the shop a bit more, is what I was thinking. So... So Fulham's of Fulham's goals, there are 16, 20, 24, 27 of our 38 are from those five players and the same sort of set of figures from Barnsley. But Reading have 37 and McCleary, Behrens, Camorgan and Swift are the only players that have scored more than three. Swift has three, Camorgan and Behrens have four and McCleary has seven. Which means they've got a lot of people on one the or goal two. Got a goal or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players I'll who have, have scored one yeah. or two for Reading by the looks of things. Similarly, Brighton have 14 for Glenn Murray and 7 for Knockart, which is like the majority of all of their goals straight away. So the first goal at the weekend for Derby, it was a mistake from Sigurdsson, uh, who let in Tom Ince into the box. Should Button have done better? I thought he could have come off his line and he'll be disappointed with being beaten at his near post. But I think first and foremost, it's Sigurdsson's mistake. Quite a lot of people... Uh, was saying on forums and stuff that it was a very slippy pitch on Saturday and that might have been slightly to blame with his loose footing. Who knows in that particular instance? But that was something that I saw online. I don't know what other people think. I just don't think he should go to ground. Like, it, it's not, it doesn't look like he slips for me. It looks like he tries to go to ground to clear it. You know when people like almost like slide across and clear and there was no need for it? I mean, if he did slip, then he slipped. But that's, you know, that's a different, a different kind of ball game. But I really did think I was I was like I thought he'd tried to go to ground to clear it and there was absolutely no need and it backfired quite desperately almost. So I'm with you. I don't think he slipped. Um it just looked like he was trying to hook it away and just misjudged it. Yeah. I don't know, there's part of me that thinks Sigurdsson's always got a rash decision in him somewhere. Whether that's trying to toe punt the ball out of the box and kicking someone else, giving away a penalty or or like we saw on the weekend, you know, trying to go to ground when he could easily just control the ball and pass it square to his defensive partner. But I don't know, I think, like you say, Button would be very disappointed to be beating at his near post. And the fact that you Tom Ince waits for the ball to settle before striking it and then he still doesn't react in time, He's Button's clearly a bit bereft of confidence at the moment. And you can see that, especially in a Rotherham game. And the fact that we had people howling every time he got the ball, um, sort of, Beckoning him That's to not give it away. Help. It's not. It's not good for him. Yeah, can we stop that? Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, as a point of a plea to Fulham fans, like, you know, we're not here. We're not the biggest, dev, you know, advocates of David Button by any means necessary. But you know, it's obviously not helping. Like when people are yapping at him, like, you know, like he's sort of nibbling them in. Yeah, you know, we get, you know, he's playing. Yeah, you can disagree with that. That's fine. You know, we disagree with it at points, but. You know, we're not there shouting at him. I guess the only thing is, when it is heart-in-mouth moments, it is quite hard for a crowd not to react. And he very nearly... Yeah, he did um, put the ball in his own net. Put yeah. the ball in his own net on Saturday. And as much as I'd like to appeal to the fans to give him confidence, if that had happened, the fans can't really be responsible for their actions. That was just Jack's appeal for Christmas. Christmas, <laughs> appeal. Christmas appeal for some festive goodwill for David Button. <laughs> Save a button. Yeah. 
Flavor button. We've got giant buttons in the studio for you if you are listening on the podcast right now. <laughs> uh, but then it was two well-worked goals from Fulham. Another assist uh, for Ryan Fredericks. That's now three for the season. He was picked in the Who Scored Championship Team of the Week with a score of 7.83, which if you're not aware with whoscored.com is a very high ranking uh, on that website. A very good performance from Ryan. Uh, he's assisted a few of Ayite's goals now. Yes. They seem to be building up a little bit of an understanding on that right-hand side. I know Ayite kind of floats all about, but he does generally stick to that right-hand side more than the other sides. Yeah. And um, on the weekend, he seemed to be playing, switching <clears throat> in between Aluko and... Um, it was Aluko and Ayite playing up front most of the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they both seem to get into the, the correct positions to try and of of four of the four Aite goals, Fredericks has assisted two of them from memory. I think Aite as a player just loves to be able to drift in, and 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 the two goals we've seen from him in the week alone just really exemplify the type of player he is because he has that predatory instinct that we we need him to have. We need a wide player to have, and not a lot of people, especially wide players in the modern game, have that instinct. All they want to do is take on a player and cross it in. Whereas Aite is quite happy to take on a player and cross in but also at the same time is trying to ghost in to that box and arrive late and you know get in front of the fullback and put it in the net and we saw against Rovler and he ghosts in on the edge of the box and he taps home with his right under the keeper look really great goal and then this week again taps it he comes in from the left hand side right in front of the fullback and taps it in again I mean that's what we're going to get from him and that's why I think it's going to be so lethal for us in the long term I think that we've got a luxury that all of our wingers seem to have that in in their locker. They seem to, they can do either one of those things, and it kind of puts defenders off. Yeah, it's the one thing I think Fredericks needs to improve on, and it's the only thing I would say that he needs to improve on is trying to mix up what he's going to do. It's got, it's going to become a danger of him becoming too predictable if he comes up against a better fullback. Um, say if, say for example, we become a Premier League team, and uh, a better fullback might be able to read that every single time. And the one time he did mix it up was the the run for the goal uh, against Rotherham, where he actually went inside and mm. then took on all the central defenders. And they were like, oh my God, who, who's this rapid son of a bitch coming at us? We're not used to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Fredericks a lot. I think he adds another level of dynamism to our play. But I think you are right. He does tend to square up the fullbacks quite a lot. But wherever you've got pace as explosive as he has... I mean, that's a massive weapon to have in your arsenal. And yeah, like coming inside and trying to get at the full at the central defenders is something we don't often see for him but he tends to be a, like a 70 minute player for me he goes all out and then last 20 minutes he's burning on basically empty yeah exactly the same as Odoi yeah when he came on um, against uh, what was uh, the Sheffield Wednesday game yeah. it was exactly that Fredericks burnt out after 70 minutes and uh, Adoy Adoy came on um, and changed the game because Fredericks had just absolutely ran out of puff yeah that's the one thing I've got written down that Fredericks was brilliant up to 70 minutes and just sort of faded towards the end. And especially when we were looking, you know, to, to maybe go on and win it, it, it did become apparent that we didn't necessarily offer the kind of pace and power down the right at in that end quarter as, say, Malone did on the left. Mm. And I think Fredericks is probably a better player than Malone as a, you know, a, a tool of the trade as such. I think that overall Fredericks has more to his game, more dynamism, but the fact is Malone goes for 90 minutes. Yeah. And when it comes to the last 10 minutes or the last 15 minutes, it comes to Malone fixing things up and it all going a bit pear-shaped yeah. because we've only got one side of our play that's gonna that's getting, getting through really towards yeah. the end. 
So perhaps that's something to consider. Uh, Malone is will go all day long, absolutely all day long. I mean, his wife must be happy he goes all day long. Um, <laughs> Christ, Farrell. <laughs> need to bring down the tone. Yeah, jeez. But, um, bring the smut into formation. <laughs> I mean, Sessegnon played on Tuesday, and he is a, he is a good footballer, but there was certainly a bit of... Um, <laughs> he certainly did run out of puff after about an hour or so, but, I mean, the game was just so... So heavily in our favour, he didn't need. To, he probably could have had a rest for about an hour, and no one yeah, would have noticed. We'll probably come to touch on Sigurdsson, Sessegnon, uh, sorry, in a little bit. So, yeah, we'll put that conversation on ice. I mean, we can't say enough about the man at the moment, Steph Joe. Uh, he got the second goal on Saturday. He also got the first goal on Tuesday. Nicely taken goal on Saturday. Slightly lucky from a deflection, but you know he took the shot. He has such a um, quick feet. Those shots seem to go away. Almost in a blink of an eye. I think it was one of those goals on Saturday. It was, oh, oh, that's in the net. Uh, that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and obviously we've mentioned he's got four in four. His all-round player at the moment, he's the best player on the park most games at the moment. He's everywhere. He's the best yeah. player in the championship right now. You can't really say whether he's playing in the holding position or he's up top. He's just absolute box to box. He's not. He's a linker, isn't he? And I, the thing I love about Johansson is at any time... He wants to use his left foot, he will. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's positioned where he should be using his right foot, he will use the outside of his left foot. He, the guy just wants to use his left foot on everything. And he's right-footed. And, and, yeah. <laughs> 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 Cheers for that, mate. Uh, but yeah, I just think he's brilliant. He's added so another factor to us since he's joined. Really hitting great form. Yeah, I can't say enough about how much... For yeah, a split exactly. second, I actually thought you were telling the truth because you love him so much you wouldn't lie about him. Hashtag Johansson facts. Stefan yeah. Johansson is right-footed and, and, and is only using his left foot for the championship to try and train himself more. Even when, <laughs> even when he's actually writing something down, he's using his left foot. Yeah, exactly. He's, you know, the I, man's a magician. I mean, I, I've, been loving, I've been loving Johansson facts uh, during the week. Uh, we got very excited uh, on Tuesday when he scored. Uh, I think now every time he does score, we will probably do a tweet comparing him to the greats of modern football. In fact, even maybe classical football. Oh, absolutely. And just superlatives galore because there I'm aren't gonna... enough words in the dictionary. Really. That'd be doozy. I'm going to post a new tweet with a new song about Johansson every time he scores this season. I quite like your song. I've got loads of songs for Johansson. How's, how's it go? I can't couple. really picture it. I've got the high host, a high host, Steph Johansson, which, is, uh, <laughs> which I think is excellent. You know, that'd be for the Fulham karaoke we were talking about. Yeah, earlier. but like, if you know, I don't know if you've heard Sheffield Wednesday do high host Sheffield Wednesday, and it's yeah. so loud, and it's, it's such a brilliant sort of. It catches and and it goes, and I do think high host Steph Johansson could work. Yeah, well, we definitely I... want we definitely want loud chants. Yeah, we could do with some noise, <laughs> couldn't we? <laughs> Um, what was the one you sent on the uh, the WhatsApp group? What's the other one? Oh, what was it? Steph Johansson's magic. He is a Fulham fan. He hates Queen's Park Rangers. He's better than Zidane. <laughs> <laughs> he scores them with his left foot. He scores them with his right. And when we get to Wembley, he'll score all fucking night. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Let's get that going. He had to get some Christmas karaoke. It's Christmas. We wouldn't do this normally. <laughs> Good rendition. We'll, we'll do a different Steph Janssen song every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Good rendition, Welcome Jack. Welcome to the Stephanie Hansen podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then Derby's equaliser seemed like a catalogue of errors here. Um, it seemed to be a bit of a slip in the box. They let Alice Pierce free. He seemed to have, I mean, I've, it was 
unbelievable how much room he had in the box just for a free header. Uh, Button maybe could have come and claimed the cross. All in all, it was a very, very soft goal to concede. Shambles. Sunday Absolute league. shambles. Yeah, it's a bit Sunday league again, wasn't it? Saw that against Wolves, seen it against Brighton a little bit. We just need to sharpen up defensively. I think that's the only thing that's letting us down right now. It's that lack of sharpness and professionalism at the back. Other than that, we're pretty much bang on in form right now. Do you think it's a fair consensus at the moment just to say that Fulham are playing very, very well? One of the best in the league when you actually look at 85 minutes of the performance we're playing. It's just the silly individual mistakes that are costing us points. And without those, it could be it could be four wins on the bounce very, very easily. I suppose you could have said that the past two seasons, but the thing is we had like 10 mistakes a game. Yeah, but I never thought we were bossing games or like in the way that we are now. We're we were bossing com- yeah, some oh yeah, we were yeah. bossing some games, but I'm going into every game, even Derby, feeling confident that we would outplay them and we did. We touched on it last week how how much of our possession is like what first in the championship? Was it first? Possession yeah. We are first, yeah. Yeah, are I mean after, after yeah, after Especially the weekend after we must be, yeah. yeah. So it, you know, it's an interesting one. Let's move on to the Rotherham game because speaking of possession, it was a very strange game actually, and that's what we we've seen a lot of in the past few weeks is just almost anomaly-like games. Uh, obviously, there was the Wolves one. Uh, so, Rotherham, 31 shots on goal, 80% possession. Um, have you guys ever seen a game where a team has bossed possession that much? It, was, yeah. it wasn't how well necessarily Fulham kept the ball. It was the fact that Rotherham couldn't keep the ball at all because our pressing was just so intense. They just didn't know what to do. Yeah, it was. It was the ball kept coming back from their clearances but they it wouldn't get as far as Kearney and to be honest the key change for me in that game was putting Kearney in as a deep line midfielder and taking off McDonald who was very very negative with his possession um, we just didn't need him yeah we, we really didn't and then they, they weren't ever going to trouble us and the only reason they, they did is because of, of how negative McDonald was in there and the fact that they left their striker up in between our two centre backs but um, in in Response to your original question, have we ever seen that much possession from a team? I have. Barcelona bit, uh, lost to Celtic 2-1 in the Champions League a few years ago and they had Tony 89% possession in their favour. Celtic won 2-1 with 11% possession. Um, <laughs> this year, Barcelona and Real Madrid in La Liga, they tend to average around uh, 68% possession, so around about where we are. Um, and in a game against... Um, I can't remember who it was against now. Uh, A game against Osasuna, Barcelona uh, had 79% possession. So it's as as good as Barcelona, in essence, is what I'm trying to say. We're basically Barcelona. (laughs) Uh, It's just the kit colour that's different. Yeah, I mean, we've got Messi on on the left wing as well. But then again, what was the score when uh, Barcelona played Osasuna, if you can remember? It was uh, 3-0 to Barcelona. Oh, okay, not maybe as much as I thought. That was the strange thing about the game was that many shots admittedly with so many shots I mean I think about 15 of them were daisy cutters from Tom Kearney he was desperate to score um, the was. exact same goals as goal as he scored against Wolves I don't know if you saw him try it about four yeah. times yeah. Uh, the old volley from either a corner free kick didn't matter what I was surprised actually Martin didn't chip the penalty back to him and he had, he had a go <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but we only scored two goals and actually with a lot of pressure in the first half and as you mentioned Izzy Brown uh, was a thorn in our side in the first 20 minutes and probably from a better team, might have been two down. Yeah, uh, yeah. he absolutely dominated uh, Sessegnon in those first 15 minutes. 
I think um, I actually tweeted like, you know, uh, the problem is that now we were actually equalising that Izzy Brown was actually going to get more of the ball and Sessegnon was going to be terrified again. But then about 30 seconds later, he had to go off injured. And I was like, I don't want to see a professional injured, but thank God for that. I mean, he was mm. he was the but he was the only thing in Rotherham's team that was any good. I mean, they dressed like a Sunday league team for a start, and they looked like one because they just could not make the ball stick at all. Yeah, yeah, they really can't. They really struggled to make it stick in all areas of the pitch, and and I do feel sorry for Sessegnon because he hasn't really played since the first half of the season. Um, it, he he could have had his confidence has taken a knock. He's only been playing PL two minutes. I mean, why in in any world, would you drop Malone in his current form for Sessegnon? I do not know. but I just wondered if it was obviously the case. for a rest. rest yeah, well, the point I'm making is that you wouldn't drop Malone in favour of Sessegnon. Oh, right. Um, Sorry, I see. Um, other than for a rest. Um, and it clearly looked like he was a little bit... He, he needed to adjust back up to the pace of the championship. Yeah. Um, a lot of loose balls from him. He was giving it away a lot. It looks absolutely devastated when he gave the ball away for the first goal. Mm. Um, but then again, I've us shutting down our pressing in midfield was just non-existent. We just let him line up for the shot. Um, but I think he grew into the game towards the end of it. He'd mm. become a very good attacking outlet, especially when he was one-on-one with Price and yeah. unfortunately blasted it into his kneecap. So, And don't forget, a lovely assist for Johansson's goal. That was yeah. just yeah. superb build-up play and actually got us out of a little bit of a hole because you could have seen a frustrating... Had it taken much longer to get that goal... It could have been one of those ridiculously frustrating yeah. nights. So it was thankful that Sessignon and Johansson combined so well. I don't want to knock Sess because obviously he's a he's a young a young up and coming professional, and I do think he's excellent. But he really did look sixteen. I thought for the first fifteen yeah. twenty minutes, and I also think that the assist. I mean, correct me if you're. I think it's for Martin. I think he's trying to hit Martin, and he misses him. And, really? and Johansson yeah, and just coming in the back. Everyone doesn't realise it's just Johansson walks onto it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I think I really do. I really think it's a bad cross for Chris Martin. Well, I'm prepared. Good. I'm prepared to give him the benefit oh, yeah. of the doubt. He's 16. Let him have it, mate. Yeah, no, I thought he was really good after that as well. I thought that he really did go into the game. So Johansson just took control of the situation yeah, look, and told Martin, Steph "Bugger off, this one's mine." Look, Steph Johansson had just moved into the position because he saw into the future <laughs> and saw where the ball was going to go. Yeah. Hashtag Johansson facts. Um, ben, you you touched on it the the fact our industry and just our our high energy game just absolutely just destroys teams at the moment, and I think just a lot of the teams in the championship are just not ready for such high energy <laughs> football. Yeah, especially when you've got players like Aluko and and Aite up top just nicking balls left, right, and centre. The amount of times I saw a move break down because the pass didn't come off it you know, admittedly by Aluko a few times, like a misplaced pass. And then five seconds later, he's won it back already or he's forced them into an error. And it just keeps happening again and again and again and again. It's really pleasing to see a lot, you know, a lot of the games. And definitely Rotherham can handle it and nor could Derby. Yeah. That's I mean, the kind of thing you want to see as a fan, isn't it? <clears throat> Winning the ball back, high up the pitch, that kind of thing that yeah. shows you're in control of games. And it really does put opposition on the back foot. Like it's one of those things that you can't overestimate how much import, uh, how much significance that has to another team. And imagine just not being able to get out of your own half, and it just mm. must be so, so like demoralizing. 
to be able to know that as soon as you win it back, you're going to have men on your heels, you know, being, you know, you're being harried from all sides. And it's, it's just one of those where you're like, I'll oh, just get rid of it. We've all played in five-a-side teams, maybe even 11-a-side teams, where that's been the case. And mm -hmm. it is a soul-destroying experience when you physically, I mean, this happens to me most Sundays for my football team, um, but... You just cannot get out of your half. You can't even rest on the ball because someone's on you and then you have to do a hurried pass and then it goes to them and you just feel like you're not even playing football, really. You're just yeah. kind of running around catching shadows. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing that Farrell talks about is our, our passing sequences. And Jose Mourinho, whether you love him, you hate him, I think is a bit of a Marmite character, but he really puts emphasis on transitions. And we talk about transitions in the last two or three podcasts, but the way we literally pass two, three, four passes from our own area to the opponent's area while they're still trying to get back at the time is magnificent. And the reason we struggled so like so much against Rotherham was because they set up very narrow and they, they sort of didn't let us play through the middle of the park and get those combinations going like we used to, and we're used to. Then we took out McDonald, put Kenny in there, and the whole game just opened up because Kenny was drawing players out. He was letting players... In. We were spraying the passes wide, and that's when Rotherham sort of, like, opened up, like, as if you open up a, I don't know, like a fruit or something like that. They just, they just sort of let us then walk through them, and it was because we took off McDonald, who really wasn't needed, and we started to smash through the transitions. I do and we got so much quicker. It was quite clear that they, they had told whoever it was, I cannot name the player, to man Mark Kearney whenever he, uh, whenever they didn't have the ball. Yeah. And it, was just pulling it, him anywhere. And then basically because Kearney was going all the way back, yeah. that opened up that space in the middle. Yeah. And it was an absolute tactical masterstroke. Yeah, I mean, Slavica. if you look at our pass map in the second half against Rotherham, you can see that the, most, the, the biggest combination of passes is between Johansson and Kearney. And that's because they... Rotherham would have two players come out to try and man-mark both of them. It'd literally be a run-two round one, run-two round the other, and then out to the wing for Fredericks to get in behind in combination with Aluko. The only thing I would say is that 31 shots and two goals, we need to know how to be more clinical. And we say this week and week out, but if Aluko could score, he would be worth <laughs> at least £450 million. Pounds, oh, that's gone up from last week. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a tough market. It was shades. There were shades of Burton in not being able to press home an advantage against a weaker side. Obviously, we were much better than we were against Burton, and I'm not trying to, you know, compare that, but there were there were moments where I was like, look, they get another one, they're going to stick 10 men behind the ball, and that's going to be that. And though we were breaking them open, it was a bit, you know, we had that lead, or we had, you know, it was that one all, and there was something to play for as such. But, you know, thank that's one, you know, perhaps that's what we're doing, is that we now manage to grind out that win, even when we didn't convert our chances and that's the difference I suppose between the two sides us then and us now. We touched on it a few weeks ago where we won the game but Slavica still came out and said I'm not happy with how clinic how not clinical we were. Mm. Uh, under Watford when they got promoted we would have three chances of the game we would score three goals and that's what I was happy with. Yeah that's I think where we need that mid-tier striker yeah. or we need to get a wide man that can score a bit like Aite does. Mm. I was a bit than... disappointed that I was a bit disappointed that Smith didn't play on Saturday. I couldn't care less. I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you're not your biggest. Uh, I'm his not biggest fan. That greatest Smith fan. I'd be even more furious if Corley played because all he is interested in doing is making tits out of himself in training ground, rather than actually playing football. And uh, speaking of strikers, Chris Martin's missed penalty. Uh, 
it was a pretty poor performance from Lewis Price in goal. His kicking um, was one of the most wayward I've ever seen. Um, but as soon as that penalty came in, I said to my dad, he's going to save this. There's absolutely no way he's not going to save this because, and I hate to use the word, Fulhamish. Um, <laughs> so that means now it's a penalty conversion rate this season of 20%. If you look at Chris Martin's record from penalties, he scores far, far, far more than he misses. Yeah, it was it a strange a good, one. It wasn't a great penalty, but it, also, run up. it also wasn't the worst penalty I've ever seen. No, it wasn't a bad it, it save. He hit the ball, he hit the belt low and hard, and yeah, it didn't, he didn't put it in the corner, but actually, if the keeper dives the other way, everyone goes, good penalty, move on. And I yeah. think that what you've got to look at is, keeper gets the right way, it wasn't the best penalty in the world, he'll score the next one. I'm not a huge fan of those slow run-ups with a lot of steps and we saw it we didn't, it didn't Zaza. work it didn't work in the Euros for Zaza it hasn't worked for a lot of players this season full stop it, 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 it gives the striker one too much time to think and two it gives the goalies a lot of time to work out where he's going to put it because of his, his body language all the best uh, like penalty takers we've seen in, in history Matt Letizia Alan Shearer Berbatov Berbatov Dimitar Berbatov would just put the ball down go back run up hit it that's it. Apart from Heide Helgeson. <laughs> he was the only one who would just literally walk up to it and just... Sort of he he just, just waited for the keeper to go, didn't he? Yeah. But overall, it's four points from the two games. I personally think not too much to complain about. I mean, we got the win against Robin that we needed. And yes, it was close. And my heart was in my mouth after that long throw uh, towards <laughs> the end because I could just see a Ragnar Sigurdsson uh, goal similar to uh, Iceland versus England right at the end, which would have just been horrific. Um, and then, you know, a draw against Derby, who won seven in a row. And I think most rational Fulham fans would be fairly happy. Yep. And we're going into this Christmas period now, four points from the playoffs, about three positions below. Yeah, we're in night position. We could actually really do with a win against Ipswich, though, uh, given that our next two games are against Reading and Brighton. Now, I know we beat Reading 5-0, um, but I do think it was a very good day for Fulham, a very, very bad day for Reading and with a switch of venues they are going to be two very tricky games so that one at Portman Road is looking particularly important now yeah I, I wholly agree with that but then on the other hand if you asked us about the run of games we've just had would we be happy with the amount of points we we currently stand on I think we'd all all have snatched your hand off despite the great form we're currently in um, I think Ipswich um, is a very winnable game for us despite you know, we've talked about Mick McCarthy on here before um, and the way he sets his teams up. It's very, very difficult to get by them. But I think that we could, we, we need to win. Um, um, and I think we can. Yeah. Uh, Ipswich, the last two wins Ipswich have had in the past 10 games have been against QPR and I think maybe Burton or someone like that. Like two teams like a mid-to-April team should be beating. But, you know... That's all they've had. They've drawn and lost pretty much every other game. I think they drew against Cardiff when they were uh, one man up for most of the game. So if we are going to press on and you know maintain our position in ninth or push to the playoffs, these are the games we really need to win. Ben, Jack, you off to Portman Road on Boxing Day? I am. Ben is. I, I, there's no trains. <laughs> I'm really upset about this because Portman Road is one of the easiest venues yeah. to get to. It's, you know, from Liverpool Street, it's an hour and you yeah. can see the station. It's a good away You can see well. the station. For, you can see the stadium from the station. 
Um, so I'm I'm quite disappointed that there's actually no no rail fares. So. Yeah, I can't make it. I think the train's stopping me as well. I'm going. I'll be the Medeski though. Yeah, I go to the Medeski. Uh, yeah, for the, for the, the Reading game. Waitrose Stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the most <laughs> one of the most solid stadiums. As but... Fulham fans will fit in in Waitrose. It's a exactly. horrible place to go. Reading it really is like yeah, it's, it's such a frustrating away day. Yeah. The only nice thing about it is we do often take a good allocation down there, and we have done all right. Uh, Yep. You know, in, traditionally in the past, not since we really came down to the championship. But I got lost in Reading after the game that Matt Smith got sent off his first his debut for oh, Fulham. Yeah. That three oh, yeah. 0 loss, and me and my brother were just coming out of the stadium, and the buses. It was so long for the buses. We we're like, oh, we'll just get this bus instead. That probably goes back to Reading, <laughs> and we were just in the like suburbs of Reading, just wandering around like, oh, we've really got this one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So there you are. There's a story about the Majeski. So let's do the Fulhamish Christmas quiz. Now, and this is what I'm hoping becomes a yearly tradition uh, for Fulhamish podcast. Myself, Farrell, Ben and Jack have each written a quiz round with four questions. We'll each answer each other's questions for a maximum score of 12. So obviously I'm not going to answer the questions on my own round because I know the answers to that. So we can get a maximum score of 12. You listening at home can get a maximum of 16 because you can answer all our questions so if you're on the train now open your notes or just store it in your head or something like that see what you get out of 16 don't cheat yeah that is well boring yeah, or just not take or just not take part and twist sure. us oh, i got 16 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so let us know your score on twitter at fulhamish pod or if you're on the facebook live right now comment us what your score was at the end or just comment the answers as you go whichever you like it's a um, it's an open forum and we can't control it yeah do what you like so um who would like to do the honors and start the quizzing who would like to do the first round i'll go first then we can just go around left from the dealer right farrell off you go what is your round on again please remind us uh, it's top goal scorers top goal scorers so it's quite an easy one Quite an easy one. Okay, and there's four questions, right? There are four questions. Good stuff. It's multiple choice, though. Oh, good. Okay, oh, interesting. Right. Question number one, please, Harry. Question number one. In the 2013-14 season, who was the top goal scorer? Was it A, Dimitar Berbatov, B, Ashkan Jagger, or C, Steve Sidwell? Or D, Stefan Johansson? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away the answers now, so write them down in secret, and then we'll do the answers at the end. I think I've got that one. Are we feeling confident? Nope. Question number two. Question number two. In the 2007-2008 season, who was the top goal scorer? Was it A, Diamante Kamara, B, Clint Dempsey, or C, Brian McBride? Say the options again. Diamante Kamara, Clint Dempsey, or Brian McBride? That's actually quite a hard one, that one. Trixie. All right, question three. Question number three. In 2002-2003 season, who was the top goal scorer? You really put a lot of effort into this one, didn't you? <laughs> I'm an experienced quiz master. Uh, a. Louis Sahar, B. Louis Bermorte, or C. Steve... Steve... Malbronk, not Steve Marley. No, it definitely, definitely wasn't, wasn't Steve definitely Marley. Sec- definitely wasn't secret option D, Steve Marley. Stephanie <laughs> who were the options again? Louis Sahar, yeah. Louis Bermorte, or Steve Malbronk. That one's hard. What season was it? 2002-2003. Next one's going to be like 65-66 or something. No, I thought... I, I, the thought process was, I could have gone back further, but then I thought, you guys are all young'uns. We are young'uns. Okay, this one's a bit older. 
1999-2000. Yes! <laughs> I brought my first film shirt. Was it A, John today? Collins, B, John Collins? <laughs> Which is from 1999-2000. It's the classic yellow demon internet show. If you're on Facebook, you can look at it now. It's okay. famous. It's a great show. Big man thing. Uh, so, 99-2000. Was it A, Lee Clark, B, Paul Pesca Salido, or C, Jeff Horsfield? You can just put the letter down. You don't have to write... Paul Pesca Salido. I think I know that one. Is that a hint? <laughs> <laughs> right, Paul Pesca Salido. <laughs> Say that one again. Paul Pesca Salido. <laughs> are, they, are they here for the quiz as well? That is the boys of the Football Ramble. Great football podcast. Um, probably the second most famous football podcast in the world. So um... Behind us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it yeah. comes out of this studio. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's, uh, right. and that concludes my round. Good round, Farrell, good round. Thank you. Ben, your round, please. <clears throat> what is my, it on? My round focuses on uh, shirts, nationalities, and squad numbers. Question one. Kogisho Dekashwe signed for Fulham from the Golden Arrows in South Africa, <laughs> but which shirt number did he wear? <laughs> oh, <great>. For Fulham. <laughs> awesome. For Fulham. That's a oh, great man. question. That is a great question. He got. He, did he get sent off in his debut? Yeah, against Palace yep. away. He did. Mm. He also um, slapped Scott Parker around the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Generally, or in a match? No, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a match. It was in a match. Okay, Dukashwi's uh, squad number. Question number two, please, Ben. Uh, which club did Fulham sign uh, club legend Louis Saha from? I knew that one. Big ups oh, if you know that one. Sammy no. is you can't you can't see it now if you're listening to this, but he is dying right now. I don't think Help him comment. Help him Facebook Live comment. I'm not looking. I'm oh, not, yeah, I'm yeah, not, don't I'm look. I'm not looking at Facebook Live. He's got the computer right in front of him. As I'm not well. looking at Facebook Live. He is typing quite a lot. <laughs> I haven't got it though. I've got that wrong and now I have. Okay, the third question is Fulham's first professional kit sponsorship deal was signed in 1974, <laughs> but who was it with? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for shirt Wait. manufacturer, not shirt sponsor. Uh, shirt manufacturer? Yeah. I want to say it was someone really obscure. I really hope it was Nike. Uh, How long do you think before Sports Direct sponsor a, uh, do the shirt manufacturing for a kit? Probably not that long. Not well, long. Actually, Cabrini they, did it with aren't, JD. Aren't they broke? Well. Certainly in their moral values, anyway. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. Political. Uh, right, okay. Ready, Sammy? No, but go on. Okay. Bloody hell, this is hard. The final question is, how many Norwegians have played for <laughs> Fulham and can you name them all? Is that, a, is that a bonus? No, it's one point. So we have to get all of it right. So you have to name I, them. No, as I'll well. give you. I'll give you one point if you name. Uh, if you can guess how many have played for us, and I'll give you an additional point if you, you can't get give additional all of points. Them. There's maximums here. We've we've set rules. <laughs> What's the point? Sammy, What's the point? To, why do I get it right? You're if to do I organised fun. Why do Stop I? It. Why do I bother? Right. Okay. All right then, Jack. Let's do your round after that shambles of a round. That was bloody hard. I uh, knew uh, you'd be the hardest. Ben. I think mine might be quite tricky <laughs> as well, but maybe not. Anyway, mine's about film and music, and they're a bit obscure. 
So we'll start with the easy <laughs> And Ben's <one>. wasn't obscure. <laughs> Mohamed Al-Fayed once famously recorded We're mm. Not Real Madrid for the club with Colin and the Cottagers. Can you finish the line? This is London calling. We are FFC. <laughs> yes, Val. <laughs> I nearly went for a more obscure line. I'm, I'm sad I didn't know. <sighs> I hate you. Sammy's still typing, so... Yeah, I'm so coming last in this quiz. I knew, I knew it's I'd come fake last. fake typing. Okay. <laughs> Two. Somewhat infamously, Craven Cottage hosted a statue of lifelong Fulham fan Michael Jackson in the latter, <laughs> day, <laughs> in the latter days of our Premier League tenure. The statue was removed when Shard Khan took over from Mohamed Al-Fayed. Where does it now reside? Got this one. Good. Get in there. Number three, Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You has become perhaps the Fulham unofficial anthem, with Andy Williams' 1968 version being played out after games, but who recorded the original version in 1967? I've already written down the answer. <laughs> <laughs> you loser. Oh, my God. I thought Andy Williams was the original. Nope. Yeah, me too. No, it's not. <sighs> it's a classic, though. Yes, no, he recorded the best version. We what actually is play, the, there, there is a we, different version. We that actually we play. play the Muse version. That's it, yeah. What? Yeah. But after games now, it's the Muse version of Can't Take Miles Off of You, not Andy Williams. Right, I'm glad I leave early. And also, <laughs> I hate you. Also, they um, cut it down massively. Muse is shit. Yeah. No offense, Facebook Live. Okay, the fourth and final question is Can you name the song that plays before every home game and the film it's from? All right, yeah. I know oh, that. yeah, I know it is. Bit of a vague I've question, but I know I've what you never mean. Know, I've never seen the film. Just, uh, just. Uh... You mention it every time because I ask you what that clap's about, but I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> just so you on the podcast can play along if you don't know what I'm on about. <laughs> it's a great tune. It's a great it tune. is a fantastic song. Although, I used to have it at my end of my running playlist. So I'd have the last <laughs> seven minutes of my run to, the, to that song. So I'd be like, oh, a little bit of inspiration coming in. How? But the end of it, the, like the full seven minute version of it, is really weird. And yeah. it goes into this like odd, like Arabic kind of theme. Yeah. And I used to be like, what's going on? Like, the first time I ran, I was like, oh my God, I've how, lost the plot. How good would it be if they started actually playing the last seven minutes of the game to that song? <laughs> I don't think my heart could take it. <laughs> Good. Especially yeah. when it's like one all or something at yeah. the time. No, no. Don't do that, Fulham, please, if you're listening. Right. Are we ready for my round? Yeah, yeah. I was being kind with my questions. <laughs> I feel like mine's mixed, yeah. Okay. So mine is all about Boxing Day. Uh, obviously, the big day is coming up. Much bigger than Christmas Day, Boxing Day, of course, for the football. So, question number one. Uh, in what year was Fulham's last Boxing Day victory? Do you need, like, the season or the year? Uh, the year of the Boxing Day. Put the season in. If we put the season, I'll give it to you. Ready? In 2003, Fulham beat Southampton 2-0 on Boxing Day, with Louis Sahar scoring both goals. What position in the league did that win take us to? <laughs> Which year? 2003? Yeah. Uh, so 2003, 2003-2004. I've got a... I think I know that one, actually. I might have got that massively wrong. 21st. Okay. One. <laughs> the next question also involves a game against Southampton. In 2012, Dimitar Berbatov scored against Southampton on Boxing Day at the Cottage. What did the slogan underneath his shirt say exactly? At least now I hope it was Boxing Day. 
don't think it was, but, you know, we'll go, go with it. You checking it out now? I hope you got a backup question. No, keep it that was. one. I think I've got it that was. one right. It was. I love how you strategically placed your pen over the answer. Oh, I didn't actually mean to do that. <laughs> and fine. <laughs> <laughs> just it I like That's how open you guys are. <laughs> and finally... Uh, Fulham beat Ipswich Town on Boxing Day 1963 by, hey. ten, by 10 goals to one. They then played again two days later. Oh. What was the scoreline? You said this in a podcast recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, you did. Oh, God, I can't remember. I mean, if you don't know it, it's a total guess. It's a total guess. Right, are we all done? Okay, let's quickly bash through the answers. Yeah, because... Running over a bit. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, right. so let's... Okay, let me just introduce that. Sorry. Right, let's do the answers, starting with Farrell. We'll mark ourselves out of 12, and you at home, mark yourself out of 16. So, Farrell, top goal scorers. So, 2013-14 was Steve Sidwell with seven. Yes. Oh, shit. 2007-2008 was Clint Dempsey with six. Who else got that right? No one. Oh. Did you not get that right either? Oh, for McBride. I'm two up. <laughs> well, you're two one up. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, 2002, 2003 was Steed Malbronk. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sammy's got three one up. He has got a computer in front of him. I have not. I've been looking at audio waveform. <laughs> and then finally, 1999, 2000 was Lee Clark. Oh, oh I thought it was Jeff Horsfield. A one for me there. A naught for Ben. <laughs> And I deliberately, three... I deliberately went for like low height, like low mm. scorers. Um, so three to me after that round, one for Jack, naught for Ben, and it's now Ben to give I some ben answers. Ben was being a bit quiet. <laughs> right, I here hate we go. You in so many ways, Farrell. <laughs> Even more than you already did before. <laughs> no, I don't hate you really. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, first question was, uh, uh, what number was Kagisho De Castro when he played for Fulham? The answer is number thirty-four. Bingo. Oh. <laughs> you had 35 written down yeah, for ages. And then he saw oh, I said 37. Well done. Jack. Mine was That's a complete impressive. guess and I, got th- I put 31. <laughs> Strange tale. I actually had uh, Kagisha de Cashway on the back of my shirt. Um, <laughs> I think I need that. During shit. the 2010-11 season, I think it was. Uh, then he left straight afterwards. Hashtag football hipster. Absolutely. Um, which club did Fulham sign Louis Saha for? You would have got a point if you said Mets. Yay! Oh, I said RC Lom. This is not going well. Okay. Um, number three was for Fulham's first professional kit deal sponsorship was signed in 1974, but who was it with? The answer is Umbro. Oh. Oscar was in 1975 uh, and Adidas was uh, two years later. I said Kappa. I said Adidas. Wesley I also put Le- I also put Lecoq Sportif. Oh, jeez. Um, <clears throat> oh, God. Resume broadcast. Just for those who got interrupted, the answer to uh, Fulham's first professional kit deal in 1974 is Umbro. Um, then the last one is how many Norwegians have played for Fulham and can you name them? I must have missed. I can only three. do Stephanie Hansen, Breda Hangland. I've got five. I've got four. What? Okay, I think there could be five. Oh. So two of the Risa boys, yeah. Hangeland, Neverland, 
and I'm Johansson. Evelyn. That's why I've got five. Yeah, it's five. Hey. Oh. I've who also have, written Stephanie Johansson's name with a heart instead two of Two Reese's. Oh, the two. John Anna, Sorry. John Anna Reese, Bjorn Helga Reese, Breda Hangeland, Eric Nevelin, and Stephanie Johansson are your five Norwegians. I thought you said two recents. I do a Neveland. I forgot Mr. Neveland. And that is my name. Farrell, how many did you get in that round? Two. You got two, Jack? Three. Three. That means you're in the lead because I got none. So you've now got... You've got four. I've got three. Farrell's got two. Ben has none, I believe. But we're both a round behind. Yeah, you're a round round behind. We've got a game in hand. I'm not going to get anything on this one anyway. I'll probably end up with three maximum. Okay. Okay, so the answers... What were my questions? Hang on. Oh, God, here we go. The Alfayed recording, We're Not Real Madrid. It was, this is London calling, we are FFC. We've got three points, you've oh. got none. Ha, 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 he, he. Oh. I, got, I got the ha, 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 he, he, but I didn't get the first bit. You I have... said, I'm Mo Alfayed, I love my Harrods tea. <laughs> can I have half a point? You can have half a point. Yay. I can have half a point for that. No, you can't have any all about you, Sammy. I did nearly use the, the starting line, which was... Um, it's like, life is about choices. <laughs> we have chosen Fulham. <laughs> they should play that more at games now. Yeah, it's well funny. Okay, the somewhat infamously Craven Cottage hosted a statue. That statue now lives at the National Football Museum yep. in Manchester, which is uh, points all round for the lads. Hey! Oh, ben Jarman's off the mark. The original singer of Can't Take My Eyes Off of You... Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Oh, of course it is. It's down the road, Jersey Boys, for God's Correct. sake. Get in, get in. Got that one. And the, ho- the song that plays before every home game is Bolero from yes. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. I'm, fl- I'm flying now. You can have half there, Ben. Cheers, mate. I'm just dishing out half points. I'm like out half points. I'm going to have fashion. So, um, Farrell, oh, ben, how many did you get on that one? Three and a half. Three and a half? Bloody halves. Ben? One and a half. One and a half. I got two, so I'm on five. Jack's on four. Ben's on one and a half, and Farrell, you're on five and a half. So you've already beaten me, and you haven't. <laughs> you still haven't had your round yet. Sorry, Sammy. <sighs> okay, so uh, in what year was Fulham's last Boxing Day victory? It was anyone? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Fuck off. We didn't beat anyone that year. <laughs> no, I know. It was a rare one. It was a last-minute Scott Parker yeah, howitzer. Did he do a shit into the back oh, of the against, <laughs> against, against Norwich. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, then it was, in 2003, Fulham beat Southampton 2-0 on Boxing Day. Louis Sahar scored both. What position in the league did that win take us? Farrell, you're dying. Is it fourth? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Took us to the heady heights of four. Do you know why I remember that? Do you know why I remember that? It's because I was I was some, reading like the newspaper and I flicked over to like one of those advertising pages and they had like you know back back when like mobile phones were pretty dire but you can actually sort of text in and get like logos sent to your phone as like a background and they had four teams it was United Arsenal Chelsea who were the top three and they just picked whoever was fourth in the league and they had Fulham as if that was actually going to get any sales from it. <laughs> well, there you go. Good times for the lads. Um, Dimitar Berbatov, what did the slogan underneath his shirt say exactly? Keep calm, pass me the ball. Yes. Did you all get that? I got a point there. And Fulham beat Ipswich um, on Boxing Day by 10 goals to one. What was the scoreline in the reverse fixture just two days later? Wasn't it like 2-1? 2-1. 
Jack says 2-1. Ben, you say? I've got the same as Jack. I, got, I put 3-0, but I haven't got a clue. 4-2 to Ipswich. An entertaining game. But no points there. I got half a point because I got the first half scoreline right. Nope. <laughs> <I don't> get... <laughs> the half point has got to be reasonable. So um... I got to Ipswich. I mean, should I get half a point for that? Ben, yeah. what was your scoreline in the end, please? Don't want to disclose, mate. Okay, we'll just presume Ben came last. Uh, Jack? I got a five. You got five? I got five as well. But our worthy champion, <laughs> Farrell, what was your score? Eight and a half. That is good, actually. And finally, we're just going to finish off today with a really quick rendition of Fulhamish Secret Santa. Jack, would you mind getting some gifts out, please? Oh, yes. Are they hit? This bag. Oh, oh, Farrell's got the gifts. Farrell's just got them. Okay, so Father Jackmus. Ben Jarman. Thank you. Why do you have to full name me? I know who this is. Sammy James. Oh, oh my God. This is for me. I've got the best rap present in the world. This is for foul month. <laughs> okay, so let's just um, open them in order. Ben, as you got it first, let's see what you've got. Thank you. And who got it for you? <laughs> I'm guessing it's from Farrell. An it's old Darren, school. Darren Prattley. <laughs> Dab shirt. <laughs> Amazing. That's actually I, incredible. So Thank that, one, that one was from me, and I was I was trying to find for ages like a cheap, really old goalkeeper shirt because I really wanted to put Herrera on the back because <laughs> you loved him. But I just found that one and thought, I'll get one of your forgotten Fulham ones. Darren Prattley. Thank you very much. For the ultimate football hipster, a blue Darren Prattley Fulham shirt <laughs> with yeah, dabs.com, one of our better sponsors. Um, See you, Sam. Sorry. Cheers, Farrell. No um, Jack, off you go. Who's this from? It's actually from Stefan Johansson, which is nice. So I love that. Santa Claus Johansson. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. there's like a book. Oh, that's actually well cool. The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, Barcelona. Oh. I actually love that. That's a very nice present. That's a really, that's a really kind, what? nice gift. Yeah. That's from Ben. Why are we being so nice? <laughs> that's really nice. Thank I can't you. wait to open up my You're a Twat <laughs> mug. Yeah. Um, so, shall I go next? Sammy, here's a gift from me to you in the hope that when a Messiah is accepted by the Hammersmith End faithful, you can prove yourself an original disciple. I think that's the present in itself, just that poem. The best poems don't rhyme. <laughs> Slew in you. A signed picture, well, by Jack, of <laughs> Stefan Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> that says, oh, Steph Johansson's magic, he's better than Zidane, with Steph Joe in hearts. I love it. Gotta get one of those. Oh, it's Steph Joe. Uh, well, I mean, you've already won, and I haven't even opened up mine yet. I mean, that is just an unbelievable present. Thank you very much, Jack. You're very welcome. Framed in everything. That's amazing. Right, should I open mine? Yes. This oh, it's going to take, take me a while to open, by the way. Farrell's was wrapped in newspaper. Right. It is... Ah! I do need a new set, actually. <laughs> 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 so anyone I can't see, it's uh, referee red and yellow cards with a handy little pencil holder. So what I thought is, as our resident referee on the show, um, you now have new powers. So Jack is the secretary... <laughs> You now have the ability to book or send off anyone on the podcast at any time <laughs> um, if you deem so necessary. Is this for like 
um, badly sort of like spoken stats, you know, like Gareth McCleary's 31 or... Yeah, something or like that. Chef, or Chef Kikuchi scored a goal for Fulham. Or if I just stumble over the introduction of the podcast five oh, we'd times. Never, well, you would just be out of the studio yeah, the whole gone. time. <laughs> so Thanks very much. That Thank is your you. ability. A yellow card may be like... You had to stop talking for 60 seconds. I mean, a red is a proper, like, just go home. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's come to that time. It's the end of the show. It's been a bumper one today. Uh, sorry for it being a bit longer, but with the Christmas special, we had so much to fit in. We hope you've enjoyed uh, the extra long show today. Secretary Jack, as always, uh, we need to title the show. What are you thinking today? The festive Fulhamish Facebook Live Fiesta. Oh. Very nice. nice. Alliteration at its finest, Jack. I'd expect nothing less from you. Say that again so I remember it went for the... Do you even remember it? No, it's called. Uh, the Fulhamish... Festive. The Fulhamish... No, the Festive Fulhamish Facebook Live Fiesta. Okay. Festive Fulhamish Facebook Live, Live Fiesta. Fiesta. Well, that was a mouthful. Thank you, Jack. And we will be back in two weeks' time with a podcast. We're not recording one over Christmas, unfortunately. We can't make it into London. Um, so we will be live after the Brighton game. Uh, we're going to actually be meeting up in a pub uh, to record it. Normally, we're in studios in central London, but we're all going to go to the Brighton game on the Monday, uh, find a quiet bar to go record Fulhamish afterwards. And we'll give our thoughts, not only obviously on the Brighton game that happened on that day, but the two games in between at Portman Road against Ipswich Town and the Medeski against Reading. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you to everyone that's watched on Facebook Live today. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas from all of us and a very prosperous 2017. Thank you for all your support so far this year. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much, guys. Have a Thanks, Merry guys. Christmas. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been great. Yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time.